Yeah, you're listening to Pet Chat. We'll Daniel Carrington with us now. We've got Dr. Katrina Warren, a celebrity vet on our show, Dave, and it's fantastic. We've had her on the show before, and uh, she's great to talk to. We see her many times on TV. We see her and hear her on radio. She's also a brand ambassador for Brevecto Flea and Paralysis Tick Control for Dogs, and I thought she is the go-to person to talk to when it comes to fleas and ticks, which we have lots of in our area. Hello, Dr. Katrina. Hello, hello. You certainly are in a uh, good tick area, aren't you? Look, I don't think we get much of a break from, from ticks in our area. They're, they're pretty much all year round. They are. You know, sometimes there's a little break over the winter period, but they kick straight back in in spring. And unfortunately, a lot of people think they're just a summer problem, but they are most of the year. So talking about uh, fleas, for example, when should people be treating for fleas? Is it just when they see the fleas or particular times of the year? Look, again, fleas are very much kick off in spring. They're a spring-summer problem. But with our homes now heated all year round as well, they provide a nice environment for fleas. So you can get them all year round as well. And if you see one flea on your pet, guaranteed there's more. So these days it's pretty easy. You can treat your pet so that they're flea-free year round without a problem. Okay, so making sure to do it year round, don't stop at all. Don't stop at all because you don't want them to start breeding. And fleas are prolific breeders. And the other thing is remember that you can have the, you know, for every flea, there's the eggs in the environment that hatch and produce more fleas. So just stay on that treatment and, and you won't have a problem. We've come so far. I mean, I remember when I was a kid, all the horrible, horrible things you had to do to try and get rid of fleas. But now it's, it's so much easier for people. What You mentioned like our, our homes are warm now, so therefore that extends the flea mm-hmm. season. What, what, how does that work? Um, because they love warmth and they love humidity to hatch. So it's certain environments and conditions for those flea eggs to hatch and thrive. And because they're nice and warm, well, perfect for them. Now, with ticks, um, there's different types of ticks, but the main one that causes and can be fatal to our dogs is paralysis ticks. So if it's not picked up on time, what are the signs that your dog or cat may have a paralysis tick? Okay, the signs can be varied and often people don't recognise that there's something wrong with their dog when it first starts. So it can be a slight change in behaviour or your pet may vomit, you know, once or twice and just look a little bit off. But then you can see a wobbliness in the back leg. So it it paralyses your pet, if you think of it from the back end forward. So you usually see this wobbliness in the back back legs and then it's all four legs and then it's difficulties breathing and the the respiratory tract gets paralysed. So often people report a change in the bark because the dog can't all meow. They can't actually vocalise the same way. If you see any of those signs, it's best to head straight to the vet, particularly this time of year, even if you can't find a tick, they're incredibly good at hiding in nice dark areas on your pet. So any changes in behaviour, if you think, well, just not quite right, best to head to the vet. So how long is this process? So say the tick goes onto your dog, burrows in, before we start seeing signs, What? how many days is it? Uh, look, it can be, I think it's about 24, 48 hours you can start seeing signs through to paralysis, you know, five days, um, five to seven days. It's the full paralysis and it's just, it is horrific. My own dog, Toby, actually had, uh, I was away, I had a friend looking after him and came back and he was paralysed and it was just the most horrible thing to see with your own pet because it's preventable as well and it's a, it's just a, a horrible death if they die. You know, there is treatment, but treatment is very, is very expensive and it doesn't always work and it's stressful. 
Wow. Okay. Mm. And, and I guess talking about that treatment, um, when you do have a product you can use for paralysis tick treatment, how does that stop it? How does the chemical work to stop ticks from doing that Look, to the dog? There's a whole pile of different products and it's different reactions, you know, different ways that they work within the dog. So it's best to talk to your vet about the particular product that you're using. Mm-hmm. But when I was talking, referring to treatment, then I was talking about if your dog is paralysed, so not just killing the tick on your dog, if your dog is paralysed, the actual antiserum, like treating the, the tick um, paralysis itself, is very costly and, and quite stressful. But it's best to talk to your vet because there's a number of products on the market and they've all got different um, ways of working. Do cats um, not suffer much from tick poisoning because they pull out ticks as they groom themselves, or is this just a myth? Look, I think that cats definitely suffer. Well, there's definitely less cases of, of cats, but they still do suffer from um, paralysis. Um, and, and they die the same way as dogs do, and it's horrible. I think that cats do pull out the ticks a little more. Yeah, they, they groom themselves a lot better than dogs do, and so they obviously pull out a lot of the ticks, but that is not to say that your cat is going to pull out the ticks. So I recommend with all your pets you do daily tick searches, no matter what um, preventative you're using as well. What should a person do if they do do their daily tick uh, and they see a paralysis tick on the dog? What should they do? Should they just remove it? Yes, look, remove it. If your dog's showing absolutely no signs, remove it. If you're in a tick area, so you know that you may find ticks on your pet, I recommend you get from the um, the pet store. They have these little tick removing devices. They're like kind of a, mm. uh, a curved hook, and they make it very easy to get those ticks out. So if you get them out early and your dog's not showing any signs, keep an eye on them. Um, and, you know, hopefully they're okay, but if there's any signs, please go to your vet because the paralysis can develop even after you've removed that tick, depending on how much poison's gone in. So we already touched a little bit on this, but we can go a little bit further, I guess. How can people prevent their dogs from getting fleas and paralysis ticks? Okay, I guess the, the number one thing is use a, a good a preventative. And again, I do say to everyone, your, best, your vet is the best person to work on the preventative plan for you. And then it's things like um, being aware of where ticks like to hang out. So they love, you know, um, bushy, leafy areas. And if you've got all that kind of in your backyard or you're letting your dog run free through the bush, just remember that that's the kind of areas that the ticks like to hang out in and also do your daily tick searches. That touches on my last question. So... If, is there a way to reduce fleas and ticks in our garden? Um, removing all the any sort of rubbish and leaf litter. If you've got bedding for pets in the garden, make sure it's washed thoroughly and everything's cleaned thoroughly. Um, but just getting rid of, you know, just excess, um, excess crap is probably the worst. Yeah. Anything that's lying around in the garden that you don't need. Um, and, yeah, all the leaves and stuff, just pick that, pick that all up. Look, thank you very much for your time. I know you're really busy. But thank you for making time to be, uh, to come on to in your afternoon pet chat. So that's great. It is a pleasure, as always. Thank you so much for having me. Bye, Dr. Katrina. We're talking about Christmas hazards for our pets today, aren't we, Kimberly? That's right. It's probably one we've done over and over again every year, but it's really, really important. We've already started seeing some issues with pets. So mm. the big ones, obviously, are um, dogs and chocolate. Um, dogs and fruitcake. And I don't know if everybody's aware of the issues with fruitcake, but we've had a fruitcake Wasn't sure about that, but the chocolate's a real concern. Yeah, so chocolate, so the the toxic component of chocolate is theobromine, um, and the concentration of theobromine is different depending on the type of chocolate you have. So the higher quality and darker your chocolate, the more theobromine is in it, which basically means that your pretty rubbish chocolate, like um, out of your chocolate advent calendars that your kids have and things like that, if your dog eats a couple of those, unless he's a really little thing, he's unlikely to have too much trouble 
But if you're making, you know, homemade chocolate rumbles, something like that, you're using cocoa or you're using good baking chocolate, it takes very little chocolate to make a, mm. um, even a moderate-sized dog um, quite sick. So and what, it's really what does important. it do to them? How does it affect them? Well, it, um, initially, if they've had a mild dose, it'll usually just cause vomiting and diarrhea. But um, it's actually a cardiotoxin, so it, it basically makes it so that their heart doesn't function well. So it can slow the heart. It can cause tremoring and seizuring. It can put them into a coma and certainly can cause death. And it doesn't happen right away. And so we often hear from people, well, my dog ate chocolate. It was about six hours ago. He's looking pretty good at the moment. You know, what do you think I should do? Unfortunately, at that point, it's too late probably to make them vomit to get it out of their system. Um, but we would just still usually recommend getting them into a vet hospital and getting them onto some IV fluids. We can give them activated charcoal to help soak it up out of the system. We can put them on um, supportive um, drugs and things, monitoring their heart rate. Certainly, if they start to seizure, um, you know, that, that's something that needs to be dealt with sort of fairly quickly. So even if it's been a long time or a fairly long time, and, and sometimes it happens, you know, we don't really know. We, we went out, we went to work. When we came home, the dog's eaten this, and it could have been anywhere in the last eight hours. But certainly, even if the dog looks normal, getting them up to a vet to have a look at is certainly worthwhile. Um, fruitcake is another one. So fruitcake, the, the thing that could cause a problem in that is the sultanas and um, dried cranberries and those sorts of things that are in there. Um, it's a bit of a tricky one because it's an unknown toxin. At this stage, we don't really know much about grape and, and raisin and sultana toxicity in dogs. We know that it's what we call an idiosyncratic toxin, so it's not dose-dependent. So it doesn't mean that if your dog eats one or two, it'll be fine, one or two grapes um, or sultanas, it'll be fine. But if it eats a whole bunch, it'll have problems. Um, there have actually been published reports of large dogs eating just a few, maybe two or three sultanas and going into a major um, it's a, a kidney toxin, so they can go mm. into major problems. Whereas other dogs, I know my, my mother's dog, you know, used to eat whole bunches of grapes off the kitchen bench, um, naughty thing that she was, um, and, and never had any problems. But because we don't know, again, we would always recommend getting that dog seen by a vet. And because it's a kidney toxin, it may not show up for a number of days. So the best thing is always get them in as soon as possible. We'll try to make them vomit so we get it out of their system. But if we don't have that option, supportive care, monitoring, um, getting some other, you know, sort of activated charcoal through the system is certainly worthwhile. Okay. And any other concerns around Christmas time with our pets? Yeah, absolutely. So um, cats, we've got cats that like to climb trees. So um, lots of cats can get injured when they start to climb up the Christmas tree, and particularly if the Christmas tree is not um, well secured. Uh, so making sure that if you do have a cat that you're watching it, um, if they're chewing on the electric lights, you know, your little fairy lights in there, we can get electrocutions from that. Um, cats love string and tinsel and, and linear foreign bodies. So, you know, cats have these backward barbs on their tongue and, um, and that sort of helps them to swallow their food and it helps hair to go down and things like that. But it also means that if they start licking or if they get a bit of tinsel in the mouth, they've got no way, once it starts to get to the back of the tongue, they've got no way of getting it back out and it goes into the gut and it can literally saw through the layers of the intestine. So, um, you know, you need to know your cat, know your pet a little bit. And, and if you think that your cat is one that's potentially likely to play with that tinsel or things like that, try to really keep it away from that. That's mm. a really big one for sure. Um, glass baubles. That's the other thing. Puppies and kittens with glass baubles. Um, certainly you can get lacerations from them. They're usually a fairly light glass, so they're not going to hopefully cause any major, you know, life-threatening bleeding, but we can certainly get shards of glass into paws and 
um, noses sometimes if they if they you know sniff at it get it into their around their eyes and face and muzzles things like that can be an issue now Kimberly not long after Christmas will be New Year Absolutely. and this is a real concern because and it's on the same par as when we have uh, lightning and thunderstorms yeah. it really disturbs our dogs especially what about fireworks and noise and that from parties at New Year's Eve yeah certainly some dogs not all dogs some dogs are, are pretty relaxed and they take it all in their stride but there's a lot of dogs who have real phobias about those loud cracking noises the um, the fireworks and like you said similar to thunderstorms although interestingly we get some dogs that are not worried by thunderstorms but are very frightened of lightning of, um, of fireworks so I guess on the one hand, it's good because we can plan for it. We know that you know around certain times of year that we're going to likely see some fireworks, and we can sort of plan for it. Um, we certainly can use some you know relaxing methods and things like that, trying to give these guys um, some pheromone um, support that we can help them with to just sort of relax around those times. We can use things like thunder jackets, putting them in a nice, safe, enclosed spot where they feel sort of um, contained and that they feel safe. But we can also use um, pharmacological agents, some medicines, to help calm these guys down, particularly when we know that there's a predictable event coming like New Year's Eve where we're going to see some fireworks. So um, obviously they're all prescription and you're going to need to speak to your local vet about it and get them checked out. But uh, it's something that we, you know, we know about and we know that some of these dogs, some dogs are just worried and they're frantic and they won't settle. But there Mm. are some dogs that are really destructive and they literally can do significant amounts of damage to your house. And in the process of that, they often damage themselves. They can fracture their teeth. I've seen dogs that have worked so hard to try to dig themselves out through a wooden door that they end up with wood splinters and they've broken their nails and they literally are are causing themselves damage. Can you give us any idea, because it's tough for us being humans, but Mm -hmm. how sensitive is their hearing and what it must be like for them? Uh, well, I mean, it's very sensitive. I, mm. I think they say it's something like 50 times what ours is. So if you can imagine, if I listen, if I go and stand outside on my back deck late at night, I can just barely hear a few dogs barking off in the distance most of the time. Um, but for our dogs, for my dog, she'll sit there beside me. She can totally hear everything. Like, mm. I'm sure she can hear the conversations, the barking conversations from miles and miles and miles away. Uh, and so when you... You know, consider particularly if you live close to the lake or close to somewhere where they're going to um, set the fireworks off. Um, those are really loud bangs. I mean, they're loud for us. And and I live um, I live quite a ways away from the lake. I'm sort of over the hill, but we can still hear the fireworks loud as you know clear as day. So mm. if you amplify that, you know, as if it was something going off right beside you, maybe in the same you know same room, same building, or if you can imagine having a really loud thunderclap right over top of your house, um, it's loud like that for them, and it's unpredictable. And the thing with fireworks is that they tend to go on and on and on for, mm. you know, a set period yeah. of time. Um, and so the the fear for these dogs just gets worse and worse and worse and, until it's sort of over. And then they're left sort of shaking and quaking going, is it done? Is it really done? I don't know if it's really done. Um, and so sometimes if you have a 25-minute or a 30-minute um, fireworks show, there's a lot of damage that they can do. Dr. Bob said in the past, good to build like a little cave or something for them yeah. or somewhere where they can they can like hide but feel safe. Absolutely, yeah. So dogs usually like to be enclosed into a nice small enclosed spot. So three sides around them plus a roof. Um, lots of people will tell me that their dogs like to go in and try to hide in beside the toilet bowl. So somewhere where they can feel a bit of pressure around them, they know that nobody's going to be able to sneak up on them. I mean, mm. they don't really understand what's happening, so they don't know if they're being hunted or or, or what. So uh, if your dog is um, 
used to sleeping in a doghouse or a kennel or a crate, making sure that they've got really good access to something like that that needs to be sort of dark and, and enclosed. That can be really, really helpful. Um, allowing them to, you know, that's why they go and hide under the bed. So giving them that outlet to go where they feel safe, if, if at all possible. Mm. Another thing we do during the holiday season is a lot of people like to, to go away, maybe go camping, yeah. take their animals with them. Any tips you can share with us about that if we were to take our dog or our cat out with us in the yeah, outdoors? Yeah, sure. So um, I guess the important things are making sure that, A, you're going to a, a, an area that you're allowed to take dogs to because I really think, um, you know, bringing them to areas where, where you're not permitted is, is not really responsible. Um, preferably keeping them on a leash. So it doesn't necessarily need to be a short leash. You can get some really nice, um, you know, sort of 15 or 20 meter tie-out cables, things like that, that you can anchor into the ground or anchor in around a tree. Something so that the dog um, can still interact with the family but not sort of get away uh, because if they do get startled, if, if something scary happens or if a rabbit jumps by that they're not used to seeing and they take off, the chance of them getting um, lost and not being able to be found because they don't know the area is very mm. high. So we want to make sure that we're avoiding any of those accidents that could happen. Even if you think, oh, my dog always stays by, he stays close to me, but you just don't know what's going to happen. It's an, it's an unfamiliar environment to the dog. Um, if your dog likes swimming, you know, and you're near a, a river or a creek, that's great. But again, um, you know, some dogs are used to swimming in swimming pools or they're used to swimming in at Horseshoe Beach where there's not much current. So you need to be very mindful of any currents that might be around. Um, consider, again, having them on a um, some sort of a tie-out so that if they do get into trouble, you can pull them back. Or consider a um, little doggy life vest if your dog's not a very proficient swimmer. Um, I think making sure that you're carrying around the normal sort of food and try not to feed them, you know, things that are too, everything's already different for them. And so they might come across some things in the, in nature, you know, dead birds and things like that, whatever that they from time to time will eat, but trying to keep their diet as consistent as you usually do so that there's not too many changes that can be helpful. Um, in some cases they do talk about dogs being um, particular about the water, the flavor of the water. So uh, as long as you're carrying some, you know, usually just normal drinkable water, it should be fine. But don't assume that your dog will just necessarily drink out of the river or the creek if it's there. And I imagine going outside in the outdoors mm -hmm. area, make sure the flea and tick prevention is up to date. Absolutely. That's, as Dr. Katrina was saying earlier, that's really, really key. Um, the the height of our, our tick season, you know, goes all the way through till probably March. But in Newcastle area, we can see ticks year round. Up and down the East Coast, we can see ticks pretty well year round. So... Um, making sure that you've got a really good uh, tick prevention on board at this stage because if you're camping, you might be a day or two away from a, a vet that you can get to easily. And particularly through the holiday times, there will be um, vet hospitals that maybe won't have their normal regular hours. So prevention certainly is, is better than anything. And, and I would um, strongly reiterate what Dr. Katrina said is, you know, if you see a tick on your dog um, and if they're not showing any signs, just get the tick off. Don't worry about whether the mouth bits are going to get stuck in just get them off as much as possible without squeezing them but you know just get them off that's the most important thing daniel carrington's also here with our pet rescue animal of the week this week we've got charlie who is a sweet two-year-old fox terrier cross girl she is a loving dog whose favorite things are playing snuggling and giving kisses she's great with children she loves children and playing with them charlie loves being inside with her family when they are home and cuddling with her foster mum. charlie loves her daily walks. Charlie doesn't like to spend a lot of time alone and would prefer a home with someone who is home a lot as she has a friend to play with. So that's important. So people who do spend a lot of time at home 
Charlie would make a great pet for her. Charlie's hoping to find a wonderful forever home with a loving family who will continue her training and give her lots of cuddles. So she's a two-year-old fox terrier cross, so not a very big dog. Nope, just no. a small, small doggy to have in your home. For more information on Charlie, please contact Nicole, and her phone number is 0414-765-804, or you can go to the website at www dogrescuenewcastle.com.au Okay, and of course if you go to the 2NURFM website have a little look at the picture there beautiful looking picture of that dog of Charlie She's yeah. cute Now, uh, at Christmas time we like to indulge and eat some wonderful foods we like our turkey we like our ham but ham's a concern mm, Yeah, going back to our Christmas hazards um, feeding your dog ham and ham bones and all those extra you know, yummy good things that we like to delight in can really cause some problems for your dog so Pancreatitis, which is an inflammation of the pancreas, is um, a big, a big thing that we see around Christmas time, and particularly for people giving a lot of scraps to the dog, particularly those rich scraps, um, and particularly don't give the dogs the crackling off the ham. I mean, it's the best part for us probably, yeah. but um, really dangerous for them. Um, and the ham bones themselves have a lot of um, fat in the marrow, and they can cause all the usual problems with bones, like constipation and fractured teeth and perforations of the gut but also because of the fat content, pancreatitis is a big one. So we didn't want to miss that one out because um, we see it a lot. That, that joins chocolate as a no-no, but carob is okay. Tell us about that. Oh, well, carob is Which a, is like an alternative to chocolate, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, carob is, they, they market it um, quite often as, you know, sort of dog-safe chocolate. Um, it doesn't have, um, it's not sweet like it is, and it doesn't have the theobromine. So I don't, I couldn't tell you what they actually make it out of. Um, but it is meant to be dog safe, you know, sort of chocolate. But even then, I would still say everything in moderation. We don't want to let your puppies gorge on it. To be on the safe side, obviously, uh, treats mm. and toys sold in a pet store mm. would be generally quite good. And there is the yeah, carob treats, carob treats yeah. lots of meat based treats mm. as well, um, Christmas treats and Christmas toys from a pet store. So mm. to be on the safe side and you're not too sure what to buy, what to feed. If you stay close to that fact, going to your local pet store to get those products, that would be fine. We mentioned this the other week, but I think it's good to reinforce it again. A lot of people get a pet, At maybe a, a pet, a, a baby dog, a uh, yeah. little, little puppy for Christmas. Yeah. But just remember one thing, they are adorable, but they grow up pretty Maybe. quick yeah and i think um you know spur of the moment presents um of pet presents at christmas i mean we see lots of them around um but it's always something that should be thought through because they're going to be with you for a long time you know some of our little breed dogs will last 16 years um even the larger breed dogs you know 10 to 12 years is really common so making sure that it's a long-term commitment you're willing to go in it that you can afford it regular veterinary care vaccinations desexing, all those sorts of things is really important um and it doesn't just you know stop at the cost of the puppy we, they we deserve often, to be loved they're, they're going to be yeah, with you for years yeah. and they not deserve to be discarded that's for sure and, and certainly i'd say never buy a pet for somebody um, as a surprise that's just not okay um, it's different if you know you've had a chat with them and they say yeah i'd really like to get a little dog but but even then you know um different personality dogs fit differently in diff into different homes and so um, and cats are the same so you know unless that person who's wanting the pet um, has thought about it and really you know can can try that pet out and or at least you know has a good idea of what they want it, it's buying a pet as a surprise is really not ever a good idea and the one other thing I would say is that um, we see it unfortunately too commonly is that a lot of people will get 
their kids pets for Christmas. Um, and that's fine if you as a family have decided you're going to, you know, get a pet rabbit or a pet mouse or a little pet bird. That's fine. But please be the responsible adult and, and realize that your children are not the sole carers for these pets. You are. Um, it's fine to make them, you know, clean the cage and walk the dog and scoop the poop and feed the rabbit. But um, there really needs to be a responsible adult checking up on those kids and, and on the pet um, really a couple times a week, if not more than that, because um, we, we see it, unfortunately, too frequently where the children who are just going about their daily business and, and doing the things that they're meant to be doing with the pets, but they might not pick up that the rabbit's not eating um, or that the rabbit's losing weight and we can get into some real strife. So, Well, Kimberly, thank you so much for that wonderful advice. Thank you for You're all welcome. you've done for us this year. You're very welcome. It's been lots of fun. You will be back with us. Uh, we'll be back with, with Pet Chat in February. In We've got year, one more show yeah. to go next week. It'll be our last one. So uh, we thank you for all you've done this year. You're very welcome. Look Thanks. forward to you next year. And Daniel Carrington, is this your last show? For the year, yeah. yes, it is. Thank you again be for back being with year. us. You've been yeah. with us for a long time Thank now. Thank you. And yeah, we look forward eight to years now. 2017. 2017. You've been with us for that too. So thanks so much. That's our pet chat. We, uh, we uh, love it. We'll do it again. It'll be the last show for the year. That is next Wednesday from midday till one. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.